Rough Trade is giving away a third of the first three months of the Rough Trade Club plus new music membership exclusively to 101 Part-Time Jobs listeners. Become a member of Rough Trade Club New Music and you'll receive the Rough Trade Album of the Month straight to your door every month on an exclusive vinyl pressing with bonus material. Club members have received exclusive pressings of albums from Sufjan Stevens, Sprints, The Last Dinner Party, English Teacher and Over Mono, just to name a few, this past year alone. Sign up using the promo code CLUB101POD and you'll get Rough Trade's Album of the Month, Camera Obscura's Look to the East, Look to the West for a third of the usual price. By signing up, you'll be getting Rough Trade's exclusive issue of the album on opaque purple in a gatefold sleeve plus a bonus CD containing five demos. Don't want the album of the month but still want all the benefits? Sign up to the standard tier using Club 101 Pod and you'll still get the first month free. You'll also get free shipping on all orders, 10% off at the bar and on secondhand vinyl in store and exclusive access to sold out Rough Trade events. So don't hang around. Head to roughtrade.com slash club and sign up with the code CLUB101POD. That's CLUB101POD and claim money Money off Rough Trade's album of the month today. This offer is for UK residents only. Do you play in bands? I did for the longest time. And I wish that I knew that DistroKid was a thing. I don't even think it existed back then. DistroKid makes music distribution fun and easy with unlimited uploads and artists keep 100% of your royalties and earnings. A million plus artists rely on DistroKid to get their music on Spotify, Apple, YouTube, TikTok, Tidal, Instagram, and all the major streaming services. When you get DistroKid, you can see a DistroKid bank and withdraw your earnings. You get notified when you've earned royalties and you can withdraw via the app. And you can even check your streaming stats on Spotify Spotify and Apple. Get 30% off your first year on DistroKid by going to distrokid.com slash VIP slash 101pod. 30% off for your first year. That's not bad. We know it's a tough world out there. Why don't you make it easier for yourself? And to get 30% off that free year as an artist where you get 100% of your royalties and earnings, go to distrokid.com slash VIP slash 101pod. All right, stay with me. I'll be right back after this. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Yes, you're listening to 101 Part-Time Jobs with me, 
Giles Bidder. I speak to Lars Taylor, singer of While She Sleeps, northern band from near Sheffield, who have just shared the news of their new album, Sleep Society, which comes alongside a whole business model for them, a kind of fan incentive where if you dig the band, if you want to know more about the record, then you can pay directly to them. They're self-managing, they're doing everything themselves. If you like the band and if you want to get involved with them, then you can directly. So Google Sleep Society, if you don't already know all about that, it's awesome. They've been doing it for a couple of years on their last records, You Are We and So What. They've given a bit of a hint to that sort of stuff, doing it yourself and not waiting for anyone else. I massively appreciate that perspective and it's exactly the kind of thing that I find interesting about doing this show. It's about people taking their own matters into their own hands and if they've got to work a job in the day and then play the show or go on tour by the night, then you know they make it work basically. And, and that's exactly what Loz and the rest of While She Sleeps have done. He's got so many stories in this episode from quitting their jobs all at the same time the jobs he had before that, including working at a hairdresser and working at a clothing store and being a bit naughty there. And just kind of wanted to skate and be in bands as a teenager, not being shy of working hard and just doing you. So I love this episode. I think they're a great band and I think the way they do everything they do is, is basically really cool. And in a time where we can't rely, they're not relying on any kind of, you know, mysterious music industry to, to make it happen for them. It's about them and the people that dig their music. And that's something special. Thank you so much for listening to the show. As always, if you dig it, please subscribe. Please tell your friends. Please go ahead and rate and review it. All that stuff helps. All that stuff helps. It was number one in Switzerland in music interviews recently. So if you're in Switzerland listening to this podcast, thank you for that. Thank you to East London Signature Brew, who have been brewing beers alongside bands since 2011. They've made beers with Mastodon, Idols, Slaves, sports team recently. And this Christmas, they've brewed a beer with the darkness called Bell's End, obviously. So if you go onto their website and order beers directly to your house, you can get 10% off by using the voucher code 101podcast. All right, enough of this intro. Here's Loz from While She Sleeps. Go well. Cheers. Thanks so much for, for being up, for coming on the podcast. It's, no it's been a fucking mental week for you, hasn't it? Yeah, mental couple of weeks. Um, releasing like releasing the start of a new campaign. Um, releasing sort of the Sleep Society, if you like, which is um, like a, a, a brand new way that we're sort of trying to run while she sleeps. But it's not brand new in terms of, you know, Patreon. But um, it's brand new to us. And hopefully it's a model that other bands can look at and, you know, see is working for us. Like, we'll see how it goes, but we'll see see that it's working for us and, and take it and use it. But yeah, it's been a crazy couple of weeks. The support's been f- phenomenal again. Like, our fan base is so good at sort of hearing out what we've got to say and just responding positively, and which makes, you know, these things a bit less scary. Um, but yeah, it's, it's been going great, man. Um, we've got a lot on and a lot of work to do, but at the same time, it's... Uh, it's, it's been a great uh, great and exciting time for us. I'm a massive fan of of the Sleep Society. And also, you know, before that, you know, You Are We and So What. They're all elements of that. I remember reading about how you were starting your own warehouse where you could record and use that as an HQ. And that made me think of, you know, Bouncing Souls, for example, or like Dead Kennedys yeah. and those kinds of bands where th- they were their own worlds. Yeah, you know? definitely. I think that, like, 
the way that we've always run, like we're a metal core band or whatever you want to call us, but the way that we run our operations and the way that we've always dealt with, you know, everything surrounding the band has always been very sort of DIY punk rock sort of style. Um, we do everything pretty much internally. And I think that's why we've struggled so hard with sort of managements and labels and things. It's just like you pay, you know, everybody's taking a cut of what you earn to do a job that they're not as bothered about as you are. You know, they're not as passionate about this as what we are. So why would you have someone else do it for you kind of thing? Obviously, you know, managements and labels and stuff are great for, for different styles of artists and, and have, have done good things for us in the past amongst a lot of bad things as well. But, you know, we're not trying to slate every, every sort of business in that way or, or slate managements and labels and stuff. But we've just figured out that for us, we're the best people to deal with our shit. So we may as well do it that way. And, um, and yeah, so the sleep society is a new way of us doing that. And it's a way of us creating sustainability and longevity to this. And it's a place where, you know, the people that genuinely give a shit about this band have got somewhere that they can, you know, put that and they know that they're directly funding this band and keeping, you know, sustaining us, keeping us in the road and, uh, so on sorry on the road and in the studio and um and yeah and and in in return we just give loads and loads of in-depth detail and you know insights and just a load of different cool stuff that we're offering um to say cheers for you know cheers to everyone for keeping this band going but also we're able to just still release music and, and merchandise how how we always have. So, you know, thanks to everyone that's involved, really. But um, it's just a way that we can sort of keep an eye on the people that are sort of more of a super fan or more of a, you know, really, really into this band um, and, and look after them in the right way. So it works well. And there are, even with Patreon, with, with different kinds of artists doing it over the last year or, or couple of yeah. years, you're still doing it. While She Sleeps is still doing it in such an unprecedented way. I mean, one of my favourite things is having the live studio cam. Yeah. And, you know, I, I don't know if you meant to give this vibe or, or maybe this is just me, but I remember thinking like, when I saw that YouTube video that you put out just the other day, I was like, it's going to be cool if you're jamming and I've got nothing to do. I've got fuck all in my life on a Tuesday yeah. afternoon. I can, I can turn into you and, and watch you write. Yeah, definitely. Record. And that, that's, that's the nice thing about it. Like for the people that are like, look, give me favorite band. I'm going to jump in. I'm going to spend a bit more money each month for you. Um, and you know, really support you. And we're like, all right, cool. So why don't you get to, you get to decide, should this be an anthemic sing-along section or should it be a breakdown section or, yeah, you can jump into a cam that's live in the studio with us or or whatever. We'll just give you personal videos and, you know, just be just be really inside it. So it is really cool. And it just means that we can be a bit more experimental and also, like, really feed off of each other. You know, like, we can ask the society, like, what, what do you want from these videos that we're putting up? What do you want to mm. see us do more of or less of? And, and just, you know, everyone gets to say then, and it means that, both parties are happy and, and sort of getting what they want out of it. So yeah, it's cool. It's interesting because I think a lot of people in bands and, you know, managements and labels as well, we're all trying to figure out ways to do things A, our, our way and B, you know, something that hasn't necessarily done before because in, in those artistic realms, once you do something that's the same as someone else, it's not so exciting, yeah. I suppose. So you've obviously like smashed that part, but the thing I love about it is, you know, you hear a lot of bands and managers about breaking down that barrier between, you know, the musicians and the yeah. fans, um, you know, 
Clash style, Joe Joe Strummer yeah. style. And I, I, I feel like not many, not many bands have actually found a way to actually do that. Yeah, I think we've always sort of had conversations within the band of like, you know, we're not, there's no smoke and mirrors with us. We're, we're just like sort of like the lads next door that are in a band or, you know, like the local boys that, that sort of can make noise, if you like. And like, that's how we always were. Like, even in the early days of While She Sleeps, like before I even joined the band, that's how it was. It was, we used to meet up and like my old uh, band that I used to be in, used to play in like the local areas and we'd do like weekend days and stuff like that. And and just a couple of days on a weekend sort of called it a two-day tour. But um, we like, it, it was like, oh, the sleep slads are coming down. Do you know what I mean? And we're all going to get wasted and like have a really good time or we'd be going to, to their like local venue and, and vice versa. And that's just how it always was. And I think that, like I said, we've always had conversations about there being like, less and less smoke and mirrors like when we're not naive to the fact that without people listening to our band and supporting us that we we wouldn't get to do it so why we're never going to sort of act like you know with with these sort of big rock stars because that at the end of the day that's the relationship that's how the relationship is you know so we've always wanted to be be a really down-to-earth band and i think that when we meet our fans and, and talk to them and and even when they speak to each other, we're lucky enough to have a really sort of really cool down to earth fan base. Like they're not shy about coming up and being like, love your band, man. But they're also not like crazy in your face over the top. Like they always seem to be really chill and, and um, just really respectful to each other as well, like in the crowds and stuff like that. So we really have like, like a, a unified sense to our shows and, and it, it always has a good vibe to it. So the whole, the whole sort of sleeps bubble in general, is 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 really great to be around and and uh, I feel like we've created something really special in terms of um, a community. Did you have any moments in the earlier days perhaps or or maybe in sort of the the more middle days I suppose where you you were tempted to go down that path of being I don't know trying to be you know glossy or trying to be a bit mysterious or or something like that. I mean as a frontman, for me, there's always been a bit of that in my head. Like, I like stuff like Slipknot and Manson when I was really young. And, like, their whole vibe is mystery. Do you know what I mean? You don't really know. Back in the day, you really didn't know anything about, like, Manson. It was just, like, he's this gnarly dude who was, like, preaching sort of what's, what felt like Satanism, but also these, like, ideals of, like, don't just be a sheep and don't just follow the normal trends and and like I've always loved that, so there's always a bit of me personally that wants to keep things a bit closed off and a bit mysterious, if you like. But the way that everything is now with like like Instagram and and just the way that the internet is is just ridiculous, you know, yeah, like the whole yeah. thing. So I think that you know something like the society is always a good thing to sort of keep that keep that um, down to earth thing going, and and. Also, like, <laughs> I've never personally thought that I was something special, if you like. Like, I've always been passionate about a sense of community and, like, putting on shows in my local areas and, and you know, being involved in, like, keeping the music scene alive in my, like, local town where it's barely even there. But, um, yeah, and but I've never come up, like, yeah, I never thought, like, I'm the fucking shit. Like, so I think I think naturally, I sort of 
naturally I don't think I'm a rock star anyway. So is that something, is that something, I mean, you kind of touched on it then, but is that something that you have an internal battle with the fact that you are a front man, but maybe you don't feel like it off the stage? Yeah. Yeah. I think like one of the things that people usually say to me is just like, Jesus Christ, how are you getting up there and like throwing yourself around and like shouting and screaming? Like that's sort of the persona that allows me to get up there. And like this whole thing for me is, is like, stemmed from being like a young angsty teenager and just playing like covers in a garage and just feeling like after I'd been screaming or shouting or jumping around like feeling like I'd let go of negative energy Mm -hmm. and it like music for me and and sort of that that sense of uh like the the early days if you like and just being able to do that really sort of helped me as like a like a troubled teen if you like so that's what's continued for me. So I get up on stage, I kind of turn into this front man person. And like, when you come off stage and you meet people, like I'll be still at the back. If we've supported someone, for example, I come off stage and I'll just, you know, walk out in the crowd because I want to check out the headline band or whatever. And I'll just meet people that like are fans of the band or have just seen us for the first time. And they sort of can't believe the two, the, <laughs> the two sides to it. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> it's like, I'm not constantly, walking around shouting like imagine if I just spoke to people and that's how it was so yeah for me it's always been a, a, a positive outlet that's let me just let me sort of rid any negative energy and 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 feel sort of yeah feel lighter afterwards and that's what I sort of carry on stage and I think that's what the the rest of the guys kind of feel like in this band it's, I think that's why we turned into that sort of band that like we we do like burn off the energy live and it just it just sort of chills me out in day-to-day life if I get to as, same as in same as exercise really you know I just get up there do my thing and when I come off I'm just a more chilled person in general. In those earlier days because playing in a band and then you know having a job from which you pay rent and feed yourself because those two things are such like yeah. there's such a dichotomy between them like did you have any were there any moments where you know you lot were like okay now do we jump off the edge you know this is the time to commit did you have any moments like that definitely when when basically i um I'd, I'd sung in a band for a lot of years and the band that i was singing in before i joined sleeps uh, was a band called revenants and they were like barnsley lads playing like basically like lamb of god style riffs um, their singer had left and I was I was singing for them. And I did that for a few years and I was traveling from my hometown to Barnsley all the time and, you know, spending loads of money that I didn't have on tra- on getting the train and then like twagging work, like like bunking off work and twagging work to make sure I could make shows. Um, and eventually it got to the point where like they didn't care about it as much as I did, so I just left. Mm. Um, and I got like... I got a, I got a few steady jobs, but then when it came about that Sleeps wanted to like try new singers out, I was straight on the phone and I was just like, "Why have you not even asked me? Like we're friends, and uh, you know you you know that I'm I, I love this like, I love Sleeps I love this band, um, and that's that was the, the the turning point because when the guys found out that I was deadly serious and that I was willing to quit a job to join the band, that was the turning point where I had a conversation with Matt Welsh and we basically said, look, like we had a conversation about how do we get this band from being a band practicing in a rundown barn on the edge of Sheffield? How do we get from that to basically getting out there, getting known and touring constantly? And we came to the conclusion, everyone in the band came to the conclusion 
that the only way that you can dedicate yourself to the cause and dedicate yourself to the band in that way would to be quit your jobs and work a hundred percent of the time on on the band so basically i remember quitting my job ripping my shirt off tying it around my head <laughs> jumping in the next jumping in an xrac van um and sort of went to the barn that we used to practice out of um at the side of matt's dad's property in uh like i say on the outskirts of chef and that's when we started getting to it and everyone everyone followed suit <laughs> they were wow. like fuck it then let's just quit wow and did that require i mean what was life like for those sort of first six months before before you were going on the road so much how how would you get how did you get by um basically our, our our family supported us um but we, like I say, we lived, we basically lived in that barn and we wrote our first sort of extended EP, which was The North Stands for Nothing. But we, we wrote that out of a barn and basically lived off like like cheap pizza for like months on end. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it, it, it's like, it wasn't rough because like we crashed in the barn, we had sleeping bags and everything like that. And we were writing EPs. They were like, when you look back on it, it's the best time of your life. Um, but but it, you know, going out on the road at those times where it was like you would play a show, you know, no one knows about you, no one gives a fuck about you at that that time. Like you were lucky to lucky to get on shows, and we were just stoked to be out and touring. So we had, like I say, we had an XRAC van that that we'd converted. So it had two, basically, it had the front seats, three front seats, then one long bench across the back. And it had a table in front of that with beer holders, so you could put all your beers on the front de- on the on the desk in front of the back seats. And then we had like a flip down door that you crawled under that we called the Chamber of Secrets, and we just used to get in there. And that was a double bed at the back. And then there was another one on top, and that was it. We just and we had a trailer with a few bits in, and we just literally roughed it for for a good few years out of that van. But like like I say, looking back on those times, they're, they're the best times of your life, and like. It, it it shows the dedication that you go through, you know. As soon as we get a show, then it's like, right, we ain't got jobs to have to like work around. We're just like, right, let's go get it. And I'm not saying for a minute quit your job and just do band because for a lot of people that wouldn't work. But luckily, we had support around us that sort of let us do that to a point, and then we were just away on tour. So it was just we just really lived it. When did the sort of business side of the people that you work with, I mean, how, how long after that did you get a booking agent, for example? It was tough. Probably like, probably like two or three years down the line. But at first it's just a case of getting the name out there and trying to, we just play any show offered to us. Like we, I think there was one time, like this was sort of, we played like the same venue three times in one week. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> just because they were like, fuck it. This was when we started realizing actually, like, there's, there's some legs in this band because if people are turning up to three shows in a week at the same venue, it was tiny rooms. You know what I mean? Probably like 100 people, but like at that time, it was just like, this is sick. We're getting free beers and like <laughs> getting to party all the time. So like, let's just play. But yeah, it was just a case of playing the local circuits and just hammering it, and we just didn't stop really. Watching that, so what documentary, the extended cut. I, lo- I you know I love I love those kinds of documentaries even even when they're you know hard when you're seeing someone go through a process that isn't exactly easy um yeah. I mean it it really spoke volumes to me how much everyone in the band works for it 
I think that's like maybe sometimes a rare thing. Sometimes you'll get like a a singer or a guitarist, you know, who are like the spearheads of the vision. Yeah, and that's not that doesn't seem like the way with with you. No, I, I think the main thing is that a lot of this stuff doesn't necessarily just come really easy to us. And I think even from the early days of doing it, just because we loved it, like we've just had things to overcome and tons of stuff to learn. And like I said, we've always just had this sort of attitude about us that it's just a bit of a punk rock DIY ethic where it's like. If you don't get it done, like if you don't get it done, then it's just not going to get done. And, and like, if you want it done right, do it yourself kind of thing. So we've just always had that ethic. Like, to be honest, when I first joined the band, I didn't have that. <laughs> that It wasn't built into me. I think that like Matt Welsh and like <laughs> like a couple of the other guys have just had that solid work ethic that's eventually sort of rubbed off on me. And like, it's a it's a really positive thing, you know, to be around when you're like when everyone's like we're at the warehouse at the moment, everyone's here working on different things, you know. It's it's a it's a it's a nice environment to be around, feeling like you're all collaborating and, and getting shit done. I don't know if that's something about being British, but people don't like to hear about how someone else has worked real hard. And pe- and similarly, people don't like to talk about how they've worked real hard. But I think that's so fucking stupid. Surely it's like the biggest gift if you have something that you can work on for yourself. Yeah, I don't know. I think I don't like hearing that people have worked hard when I haven't. So maybe there's something in that where people are just like, I don't want to hear about yeah. that. I've, I've been pretty lazy recently. So I don't, you know, I don't need to hear about how you're doing. Right. But, um, but yeah, I think it's a bit of a northern thing to just sort of grit your teeth and get on with it, you know, like that's what we kind of do. And when you got the warehouse, did that change much for you or you'd already been doing that in at, at the farm? We had a barn that we used to practice in and that that's what was so special about the early days of While She Sleeps because it really birthed this sort of creativity in us. It, and like from a very early age, even before I was involved, like Matt, um, Matt, Sean and Sav, they'd all been in that sort of environment where they could, you know, just be in there at all hours. And like, it was just, it was just a real creative space. So fast forward sort of five or six years. And, and so we, we had to sort of get out of that spot and, and we got like a, a normal practice room that was, that was pretty small. And uh, we were touring at the same time. So, it, you know, it didn't matter too much, but like the loading was up five flights of stairs and you're doing that at 4am with like a full back line of cabs. And it was just, it was just pretty gross. But the one thing it did teach us was just like, we need to have a bit like, we need to have some open space as well as a practice space to be able to be like, to be able to let us be creative mm. in the way that we do for this band. So that was a bit of a change for us. So we have, we did have it before and then completely lost that. And that's what sort of showed us that that's the way that we need to work. Is, is having the space to be able to create. And that's what's, you know, that's what's so good about being up north because if we had the space that we had down south, it'd be, it'd be cost an absolute fortune. Yeah. But, like, yeah. being up north a bit more, it, you know, it, it makes it an affordable space to be able to to have and, and create here. And, and yeah, it, it it's honestly one of the main reasons why we, we get done what we do and the other side of of doing everything that you've been doing and and learning the skills that you're learning is like you you have those skills forever that you can apply to other things outside the band as well i mean obviously we saw like the ollie sykes thing with bring me when drop dead came out i i you know that was the first person i knew in a band who brought out like a clothing label and obviously that showed that kind of other side to it but i feel like now the opportunity for that is kind of wide open for anything, right? Yeah, like, for example, 
when we first got this warehouse, it was just a completely flat floor and, and walls. There were nothing in it. And, you know, the lads just set about watching, like, YouTube videos and just building walls and plastering walls and then getting into, like, resilient channel for all the, like, soundproofing. And before you know it, like, before you know it, there's, like, a full structure within it that we, like, work out of. And, like, like you say, yeah, those sort of – for some people, they're, like, simple skills. But for us, because all we've done has been touring, like, we we – didn't learn those sorts of trade things necessarily so it was good to like get into it and and like you say those those sorts of things like stay with you you know you've just you've done that now and it's just something that you could do again if you needed to and you put the time in right i mean all that stuff takes so much time i mean sleep society to to me is like you know the kind of birth of something that you put a seed in a few years ago (laughs) yeah definitely i think with the sleep society that's something that I think the album You Are We showed us. Mm. So we got a glimpse of how that would be with You Are We, which was a pledge campaign. And I think that's what sort of started this whole thing going, really. When we thought about that record, we were like, well, that was one of our most successful records. So like, why was it? You know? Right. And it's because it's because of that direct relationship again, where it's just like the way that it's done and the way that the, the crowd funds us and then we give back to the crowd, like to the crowdfunding. It's just it's just perfect, and I think that's what set the snowball up to to gradually roll into this now. And it's just sort of a hyped up version of a pledge campaign, if you like, but but it's ongoing. And the whole thing is obviously based on the internet. How have you done with being able to like adapt to that? Like on a personal level, when did you start being like, oh yeah, we actually, you know, Instagram and Twitter are these huge enhancements of the way that we can do the thing that we love doing. Yeah, I mean, it's bittersweet with me because I'm not really great with technology. I don't really enjoy sort of having to, you know, they're great tools for, for running a business and they're great tools to let everyone know what's going on and stuff. You know what I mean? Without them, it'd be a lot, lot more difficult. But for me personally, I'm not never really, if it wasn't for the band, for example, I wouldn't have a problem not having any social media. Mm. Um, but like I say, it's, it's great to keep in touch with with people and let people know what's going on. So I, like in that way, it's a great tool for me, but personally, like I could take it or leave it. Like yeah, if yeah. I'm honest. And have, have you, have you had to sort of learn a few things and be quite sort of nifty, I suppose about like scheduling yourself, you know, knowing like when to announce the teaser, when to put out the first song, when to put out the pre-order. You know, it can be difficult. It can be difficult to come up with like fresh brand new ways to make people excited about stuff that haven't been done before. And, there's so many bands out there, you know, at the click of a button, you find a new band you like. And I think, you know, it, it does make it really difficult to stay relevant, to stay like, you know, to stay up there, if you like, and, and you know, stay in the public eye because there's that many bands out there now. But, um, but yeah, definitely doing it for as long as we have has definitely been like a great learning curve and, and taught us skills that, you know, we don't forget. And it's just good to see like, people enjoy something that we've worked so hard on when it, when it, when it finally gets released, it's like, fuck yeah. Like we're not just going crazy. It actually made a bit of a splash and it was fun for everybody. So yeah. You know, obviously you guys have made a massive splash with the sleep society with a huge announcement. I mean, like, you know, I'm, I'm stoked on it. And I think that a lot of bands must be so scared of, you know, like you said, there, putting out a record or a track and then it just, it just goes down to like a silent thud. <laughs> you know 
yeah. And we have that fear every time we release anything, though. I don't think that ever leaves. Really? <laughs> we're always like, it's, we always do like, it's got to be good, right? It's good, this, isn't it? It's not <laughs> shit, is it? You know, like, imagine if we release this and it's just like no one even like digs it. So, yeah, there's, de- there's always that worry. I don't think that will ever leave. But I think that's because, you know, because we care about it. If you didn't care about it, you wouldn't worry about those things, would you? So. That's true. That's true. Mate, I'm a, I'm a massive warrior. I worry about, you know, I'll get down my road and be like, oh shit, did I lock the door? And like, of course I fucking did. But, yeah. you know, things like that. Yeah, I can relate to that for sure. <laughs> it, it must be a bit, must be a, a thing that's a bit bittersweet having that thing where, you know, if you're going through a really great time, um, you know, whether it be a record release or a tour, naturally that shit happens so quickly. So you can't really grab that moment in the time. Would that be fair to say? So you can only really see that stuff with hindsight. Yeah, definitely. I think the one thing about like, especially sort of if we talk about from the early days of being in a band to now, it's if you'd have told me all the things that sort of While She Sleeps was going to achieve when I was younger, I'd have probably like shat myself. Do you know what I mean? With like, sheer just like the, the 14 year old punk rock in me would just be like oh my god is this really what's going to happen to me um th- this is awesome but the thing is with being in a band and stuff you always get inklings or you always hear of something happening just before it happens so for example getting your first record like deal or whatever it's like oh someone we, we think someone might be interested in the band so you've always got that all right cool and then and then it happens so you always get that sort of What's the word? I don't know what the word is I'm looking for, but you always you always get that inkling before before stuff happens. So it's never that what that one massive like, oh my fucking god, this fucking is this real? But um, but yeah, when you look back on stuff, you know, to see where the bands come from and, and for to look back for myself being like a 14 year old kid just shouting in a garage, like it, it's mental. I read that you were a hairdresser when I was 16 and failed all my GCSEs. Um, sort of my mum was like you're going to have to do something do you know what I mean like and at the time I was into sort of skateboarding and I, I just used to sweep up and make cups of tea and coffee um, at hairdressers just to make some pocket money for like new new decks for my skate for my setup um, for skateboarding I'd been doing that from about 14 so I was skateboarding singing in a punk rock band and just like sweeping up at hairdressers and uh, at the time like I was just about to leave school and mum's like look, what are you going to do? And I'm like, you know, I was just like, well, I don't know. I just want to skate and shout my head off in a band. Like, I don't care. Um, and she's like, well, why don't you just ask the hairdressers if you can, like, just get a bit of a job there and say, figure stuff out. And from there, it just worked. It eventually got into, like, I kind of got into it a little bit and, like, there were loads of MILFs around. <laughs> they were just up, up for, like, teaching me. So I just said, you know what, fuck it. I'll just go into a bit of that. So that was, like, the first couple of years after I left school. Um, I just did that for a little bit and it just paid for my sort of band habits and, and skateboarding sort of stuff. So that was the initial, my initial step into sort of the working life, if you like. And and that never changed, did it? It was always banned. Work always came second. Yeah, forever. So yeah, like because I was only like a junior sort of trainee at the hairdressers at the time, like I could get out of there by like three o'clock some days. So I just... I'd have my skateboard at the shop and then I'd just skate to band practice straight after I finished or just skate to hang out with my friends, you know what I mean? So that was the same. And I think since, you know, from then and then I I sort of moved into doing a bit of college and like going back and doing like a 
public service diploma, if you like. Just again, just not really had like a great deal of direction. Just someone just kind of said, "Well, you sort of you're a nice, polite lad. Do you know what I mean? Why don't you do a public service sort of thing?" And, you know, and I was just like, "Yeah." Like I didn't really care. I was just like, "Yeah, I'll do that." If it, if it keeps everybody around me happy, then I'll just do it. You know what I mean? So to me, that sounds like a great strength because even if you know, say your mates or your brothers or sisters, whatever, are, are, you know, are, are getting really into the job thing. Like by yeah. being easy, you're opening yourself up to new opportunities because you never know what's going to come your way, right? Yeah, definitely. I think like my dad was always in bands when he was young and my mum was always into like, she, she like loved ballet and did a lot of dancing when she was younger and she was into drama and they both liked a lot of, you know, like a lot of, different sort of styles of music as well so I think that really helped so they didn't really like force anything upon me they, they weren't like we you have to do this you have to go to university they were a bit more chill about it and just kind of like you know I guess they just sort of felt like I'd just figure it out eventually and you know like like every like every kid does I ran into a bit of trouble here and there and like everything wasn't plain sailing by any means but like I'm ne- I was never shy of hard work. Like at 14, I had a paper round. Then, like I just said, went straight into just doing hairdressing because my mum was like, you can't just live for free for- forever. And like, you've got to f- focus a bit on like what you want to do. And, but like, it was more just to appease other people. Just be like, yeah, I understand you got to do work. I understand you got to work hard and make money and-, and all this shit. So I was like, yeah, whatever, you- whatever, you- whatever you want me to do to keep you happy, I'll do that. And you know, like, you just first few years of being a teen, like is always the same for a lot of people. You're just kind of floating, floating by, and just just doing what you need to do. Mate, I'm still there. Yeah, and like you say, like being like not stressing too much about that sort of thing, and being open to change, but also knowing that you have to work. Like you say, it leaves you open. It leaves you open mm. to like experiencing things, but also realizing that you do have to make some sort of living. You know. Did you ever get sacked? Yeah, I got sacked all the time. So college, uh, listening to loads of music and skating still. And then after college, what did I do after college? I was like still in bands and uh, it was getting a bit more serious now. And I started like, started boozing and going into my local town of Doncaster and like watching, like just watching bands and like going out to see any band I could really. Um, so so started drinking. So like from from then, all I wanted to do was drink beer, hang out, and watch bands, and like being being my own band. So from starting starting to go out around Doncaster where I lived, um, it, I met a few people that uh, that I told you know I had I had a, a shitty garage band kind of thing that I was in with like my brother and a couple of people. We played covers, and then. One of the lads that I sort of used to bump into out in like the local rock, the, the local rock night, he was like, "Do you fancy coming out to try for our band?" So I did, and at that time I was working, um, I worked at like a clothing shop in like, uh, I think it was called Republic. I worked at. Um, it was just like a clothing store, um, mm. and I used to let my friends just come in and just steal stuff. <laughs> <laughs> They'd put me on the fitting rooms. Um, and my mates just come in and put loads of clothes on and just walk out in them. <laughs> so then, but the, the thing is with that job, like all the staff really loved me. So it, it didn't get too crazy. It was just like a few bits here and there. I won't condone that. <laughs> From there and started, started singing for this other band. And then 
in the same sort of position. Like obviously the band were just tiny bands, so I needed work. So I went for a job um, working with children with autism, and um, it was such an interesting job. Like, and it felt good in that sense to be like I don't by any means think I'm like a really intelligent person, but like I said, I've always had a bit of that like you've got to work for it sort of ethic. So in my mind doing that, I was just like, it was nice to give back in a way to someone who was like mm. sort of less fortunate and like so obviously working with children with autism, put some like happiness back into their lives and, and you know, just sort of trying to enhance how they live and, and just their lives in general and just be there to help them out. And that was like, that was a really good job and uh, I really enjoyed it. And um, it taught me a lot about me and it, it taught me like, it taught me a lot about being patient and just all these different things that you get from, from working in that sort of, that sort of community, if you like. So that was, that was a really great job for me, but eventually. That's the most um, punk job. I think, I think care jobs are the most punk rock jobs. I know sort of a crew in in Norwich where all of them were working as that. And it really, really actually opened my eyes when I met those people, those punks who all worked in care. I was like, Oh shit, this is what we should be doing. You know? Yeah, definitely, definitely. I've had the same thing actually. A load of punks that I used to know, like, used to used to do similar jobs. So, but then obviously the time came where I needed to play gigs. So eventually I lost that job as well because I like I bunked off work so much that they couldn't keep me on because I was just like the gigs more important. Yeah, and is is that the story for for so many of them as well? You just like I've got to go. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, I've got. Like, I've got gigs to play. You can't give me the time off, then I'm sorry, but I've got like cider to drink and gigs to play. So we'll see you. <laughs> That's it. That's it. Yeah. Mate, thank you so much for, for being up for, for chatting about this. Cause I love, I love asking these questions. I love to see what people get up to. And I think, I think you, you kind of you put, you, you touched on it earlier, but having that, you know, not all the time do you see the kind of different personalities of bands, especially in, you know, rock and metal and punk. And yeah. so I think that what yeah. you guys are doing is so inspiring to, you know, not Thanks just that crowd, much. to anyone, really. Yeah, yeah. Thanks for that, man. Like, um, yeah, we, we do work hard and, you know, we, we put a lot of time and effort into creating for people to enjoy. So it, it is always nice to hear, you know, we love to hear it. And, um, yeah, it means a lot to us that you, you think that and, and that we have a fan base that supports us and lets us do what we've always wanted to do. Yeah, and you're not doing something for someone else, which I think is hugely important because you're just running into a dead end there, right? Yeah, I mean, yeah. It's nice now that we're sort of finally breaking free from the sort of restraints of sort of labels and managements and, and sort of really, you know, what we get out of it now is 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 for the fans and, and for us, you know, and, yeah. and that's, that's something really special and something to be proud of. Like, we've learned a lot from having management and labels and, you know, publishing and all this different stuff. And, and it's not been all, all bad by any means. And we really appreciate the time that the people we've worked in with this industry has given us. But yeah, like you say, it is, it is something, there's something really nice about us finally getting to the end of that sort of era of while she sleeps and having this brand new sort of fresh outlook on, on the band life, if you like, and, and our relationship with our fan base. Like it's really cool. Fuck yeah, man. Great to hear. And it's and it's exciting for your fans. You gotta remember that. It's exciting to see see people doing something I differently. So. I hope so, yeah. I'm sure it is. I am pretty always bad with finishing these conversations. So I'm gonna do a, a Richard Herring thing and ask you a stupid question to end with. And okay. I think that's gotta be what what is your dirtiest what's your dirtiest habit, you reckon? Day to day. 
Oh god. Oh god, really? <laughs> oh, is... I'll start gold, am I? It sounds like you had something that you're on your mind that you don't want to talk about. My uh, my girlfriend hates like snot and bogies. Yeah. The story goes that when she was at school, when she was young, this kid sneezed. And do you remember those like crisscross fences that have like plastic coating on them? Do you know what I mean? They're like like the the old sort of wire fence, but they're always coated in plastic. So like. I don't know. Anyway, this kid sneezed on one of them and it like landed like between this like corrugated like Oh yeah. It was like flapping in the wind and like she she was like it made her feel like she was physically sick from it. And so ever since her being young, she can't stand it. So I just have a bit of a habit of like wiping the bogus on her, which I do apologize. I have to apologize for, but uh, that's got to be like my dirtiest habit, really. <laughs> Have you been getting a, a dry nose from having so much hand sanitizer and getting out there? <laughs> I mean, I don't pick my nose constantly, do you know what I mean? But like, if I happen to, she usually gets one wiped on her arm or a hand or something. <laughs> that is gross, man. That's gross. It is gross. Yeah, it, but, it, you know, it is gross, but the reaction is amazing. So it's one of those, you know, it's one of those things that's kind of like, it has to be done because the reaction's just... To see her kicking off and that's just ace. I love those videos when someone like is kind of fucking with their partner and they make it into like a long collage, like a Snapchat thing. That's exactly what this is like. I just can't resist doing it, man. Brilliant. <laughs> but that, that is growth. I've asked that question. <laughs> Brilliant. Well, Lars, thank you so much, man. I really, really appreciate your time. No worries, dude. Thank you so much for calling. And I'm glad that you soaked about the sleep stuff as much as we are. Yeah, man. Everyone should be. Thanks for your time, bro. Nice one. So that was Lars from While She Sleeps, absolute legend. I hope you enjoyed that chat. If you did, please let your mates know about it. Thanks so much for listening. Here's Cox Barrow. I've been working all day for me, mate, on the side. Running around like a blue-ass fly. I've been working, yeah, I've been working all day for me, mate. Every blink of me, I've been on the go. Up and down the ladder like a fiddler's elbow. I've been working, yeah, I've been working all day for me, mate. This is a Mighty Moon Media Podcast.